All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. My name is Tom, tennis of Melbourne Convo, City of Love, and、um, today or tonight here in Melbourne is about nine nine o'clock, and I go somewhere on the other side of I wouldn't say other side other side other place of in Australia. Now, Mike, you want to say hello to our family and friends. Hello, everybody that's listening. Okay, my pleasure. My pleasure to be talking to you. Okay, now, Mike.、Um, I had a bucket list in tennis, and、uh, I don't think、um, I, I'm up to a standard yet. Now it's stringing a racket. Now I got halfway through it, and then there was this up, down, up, down, and then as it was two ups, and then、um, yeah, and I just gave up. So, what would you say some of the skills, like the fundamental skills, when you need to string a racket?、Um, concentration. Okay. And eventually, the concentration will lapse,、mm-hmm. and it will become down to feel. And I don't even think about stringing a racket nowadays. It's all about feel. I can feel when I've made a mistake.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's. I've I've done thousands and thousands and thousands of rackets,、mm-hmm. and I know when I've made a mistake. I know when I can feel a piece of string is not right. It's been Damaged in production, or whatever. You can, an experienced racket stringer can feel that.、Um, but yeah, but,、uh, as I say, I've been stringing for the best player in the world since、mm-hmm. about 1980, I think.、Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a specialised job to string for the best players in the world. Now.、Um Gut string,、uh, synthetic. You know, look, I, I don't know all the terminologies and all the other names,、yeah. but、um, how has technology and the, what's the word durability on strings over the years? What have some significant changes? Well, I started off stringing, and everything was、um, synthetic gut,、mm-hmm. like prints. Synthetic gut.、Um, it was natural gut, like as in Babylat or、yep. other brand Pacific and all those that were around.、Um, I've never strung a, t-、uh, a gut racket ever until I got into my first tournament,、mm-hmm. and I thought, "Well, what is this rubbish?"、Mm-hmm. And I quickly learned how to handle it.、Um, but then polyester, or Yeah, polyester came in, and that changed the game big time.、Mm-hmm. There were some terrible polyester strings in,、um, but eventually, gut and synthetic gut changed its way to the monofilament string, which is available now, such as Luxlong and uh,、mm-hmm. uh, Wilson have got strings, and every every manufacturer's got strings, but. The monofilament,、uh, not the monofilament, but the the、um, uh, polyester string has got a lot of stuff in it.、Mm. But but the strings, like as in horses for courses, I'm 68. I use natural gut because I'm a professional tennis coach. I like to feel the ball on the end of the racket. I don't want to work too hard, so I string it up that it suits me. And therefore,、uh, horses for courses. But when you come to a professional player, they want tensions with their、um, 
polyesterstring, and um, they go from anywhere between 33 pounds up to 60 pounds. Hmm. I've not come across anyone that's come up at higher than that, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I'll tell you about a player, which I won't mention his name, because mm-hmm. it's not ethical to do that. Right. But he was Australia's greatest player, Davis Cup and all. He started off at around about 52 pounds, and now he's using 32 pounds, so 33 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's only a small person mm-hmm. and he likes to be able to control or hit back hard because he can't with a tight string, so he's got to have a loose string. Hmm. Yeah, right. so that's how it works. Um, but okay. Yeah, I, I can tell you many stories about racket swinging. Mm-hmm. Now, I have... Very- I have wooden rackets. As a, I'm a, I think most of my listeners would know, I, I collect wooden rackets um, just just for the fun. Um, how did rackets were strung back in the days? Was it was it using a particular machine, or you just buy the brand new racket? Well, um, no, uh, rackets in the back in the days of wooden days were strung by hand with an awl and um, a piece of equipment that was like a pair of plier that would pull the string and you pluck the string and hope to Christ you've got the right right tension. I've never strung that way. Well, I have, but um, I only do that on occasion. Uh, and I am currently stringing rackets for a wooden racket company at the moment mm-hmm. called Grays Online. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, Grays, Grays, not Grays Online, Grays Tennis, Wood Tennis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, I'm stringing a nose racket with a computerized machine, synthetic gut, and a wood racket's a wood racket. It's what you feel with a wood racket, you know. Um, but in, in the days when I was playing, we had wood rackets with natural gut strings in them, and they were something else. Wow. But natural gut strings you can't hit within the, in the, in the rain, in the wet, because they blow up and bust, and at the end of it, and that's why the nylon was came into it, mm-hmm. but it was never the same. Hmm. Okay. Now, um, do you, in your experience, and again, uh, I credit to you for you know not bringing players' name for you know moral and the ethical reason. Again, I'm sure this convo will be family friendly too. You know, um, what would be, let's say, would would you recommend players to change the tension and change type of strings? Uh, for for junior players, oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. I met I, I met a guy called Bob Brett, mm-hmm. who was coach of Boris Becker, mm-hmm. and I give a high regard for this guy. And he said to me, "Keep your younger players in synthetic strings as long as you can, because the polyester strings will damage their arm." And it's true; it is absolutely true. But when you come to playing um, in winter, uh, you have heavy balls, you have atmosphere that's not good, it's heavy atmosphere, um, and you need a string that is not too tight, otherwise you're going to have damage. So, But on the other hand, when it's summer, you have to turn it around. You say, well, I need a tighter strung bracket, or 
the atmosphere is light in the air, the ball's going to move quicker and and uh, bounce off the court much faster, so I need more control. So up goes the tension. Mm. And that's what you find that the professional players have nowadays. They might have four or five rackets strung at, say, 55 pounds and four or five rackets strung at 58 pounds just to give them that little bit of variance so that they know what's going on. Right. Now, no, now you know, now now obviously we know that, you know, the weather condition, the surface will change. And um, I think before the Convo, you mentioned you've been to, um, you know, different places and different surfaces. What are some of the recommendations for players playing, say, on grass, players play on hard court, just on in terms of tension? Yeah, well, same thing really applies. If the ball is moving quick, they want a, a racket that is going to be tight where they can control it. If the ball is moving slow, as in clay, they need a, a, a looser string so that they can actually import, impart a little bit of power and spin to that ball. Mm. That, that, that's where it goes. Okay. Um, but temperature, court surface... And all that come into into play, and the player knows that, and the player is not silly, and he'll come to us and say, "I need this, I need that. What do you think?" And they'll ask us questions. We'll talk, but most professional racket stringers know what I'm on about. Mm. Um, it's, it's some of these, um, what I'm saying, amateurs out there mm. that string and take good work away from us professional stringers. That don't know what they're doing that cause injuries. Mm. What kind of injuries are we talking? You mentioned arm. Talk, are we talking shoulder we're talking too? Shoulder. Mm-hmm. We're talking shoulder and elbow mm-hmm. and forearm. That's a, a lot to do with it. Now, just curiosity: do do you think stringers can actually consult with players about the grip size too? about the rackets if I may um, I think probably the yeah. last 10 years that I actually got encountered or had in conversation with players about lead okay you got the lead at the at the neck or the lead at the V or lead at the top what are some of the principles that you need to apply with lead well that again is a personal thing because mm-hmm. the racket might be having a torsional twist that means the racket is moving in the player's hand Mm-hmm. So you put weight at the 9 o'clock and the 3 o'clock area. Um, you might have a player that wants a little bit more racket head power 
so you put a little bit of weight up at the front, that you might have a player that's very good at net and doesn't want us a racket that's got weight up at the front because that racket is going to be slow when doing the volley. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> then you might, have, you might have a player that wants the racket to be the same but a little bit heavier but don't change the balance. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, we need to find where we're going to put that weight. And usually you find you put that weight mm. under, excuse me, under the throat or in the shaft of the racket somewhere. As as much as I don't like to ask about this part, is that what part, if there is one part in a racket that is has a place some kind, and I'll say some kind of placebo effect, what would it be? Well. Personally, I like the racket that is weighted at 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Right. That gives me stability. It doesn't give me any torsional twists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can work out the rest from there. Mm-hmm. That, that is what I want. Right. And that's what I give a lot of my players. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never had any complaints. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you noticed over the years that rackets got heavier? Um, yes and no. Oh. The uh, rackets have got heavier. Depends on what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the professional player nowadays has got a heavyish racket but a smaller grip. And the smaller grip is supposed to, believe it or not, give them more power. I'm yet to be convinced on that, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's what they're saying. Um, I have a Yonex mm-hmm. um, 100, um, and it's a very heavy racket. It's about 330 grams. Um, it's slightly too heavy for me, but it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It gives me all the power I need. gives me all the control I need. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to do a lot of work. But it horses for courses, and that. No one person is the same. No one racket is the same. And when a professional coach puts a racket in a child's hand, like I do, no hand is the same. So no grip is the same. You have to work it out from there. So it's pretty much a, pretty much like a DNA. Yes, it is. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Now, before you mention about, you know, um, players at the net, you know, um, the, racket, the string or the racket may be a little bit different. Now, my question is, in singles, I know, let's say the pro, um, they change after like, they, they, they change a racket after, I don't know, 10, 11 games or things like that. And obviously, we know because due to, you want to make sure they have the best tension. Do you, think, double, do you, do you think doubles player, they need, do you need to, do you think they need to um, change rackets? Uh, yeah, change, change rackets after, I don't know, one or two sets or depends? Just doubles players. Yeah, doubles players. Oh, uh, look, um, I'm not real sure on doubles players. Mm-hmm. They don't hear half as many balls. I would say <laughs> probably, probably half, half a set. That's true. Uh, after one set, but um, but definitely the single players change after six games mm-hmm. because they change the ball. The balls are new, mm-hmm. so they don't want to have new balls with old strings. So they have. Same variant, so they have new strings and new new balls. Mm-hmm. So nothing changed basically. But doubles players, they don't hit as many balls as uh, as the singles players. So 
I'm not real clued up on double play. I'm mm-hmm. playing a lot of rackets for double play. Right. But I would say they would get away with a set. Mm-hmm. Now, recently, Roland Garros um, has, you know, everyone knew the ball was heavier. So if you were the stringer of uh, any player, and then you mentioned how you tighten it and, and the tension and all that, what are the, some of the changes? Because, you know, let's say, for example, we all, uh, most players are starting to have, like, drop shots. What do you do with the tension? And, or would you change a different, um, I guess, style of strings if there is a... Well, I, I personally, if you mentioned Roland Garros, mm-hmm. um, the racket needs to be strung a little bit looser mm-hmm. than they would normally on a hard court or grass. Now, the reason I say that is because the court is slower, the player needs to generate more pace off the ball and as far as drop shot goes, it's got nothing to do with the court, and it's got nothing to do with the ball. It's how they hold the racket. Oh, okay. Now, um, Mr. Roger Federer changed ninety-five to ninety-seven. I think. Okay, I'm going. All the Roger fans is going to start attacking me now. But he he switched the rackets to ninety-five, ninety-seven, or other way around. Um, I, do you think the tension? It also has to be a, will, will be adjusted uh, because changing the frame uh, or the racket? Well, of course it has to be. Um, but look, I haven't strung Roger Federer's racket for 15 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know what he's on, on about nowadays mm-hmm. and what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a 97 head mm-hmm. and you have a, a, a 100 head, mm-hmm. there's, there's three centimetres different. That means that the tension has got to be a little bit higher because the string is going a little bit further. Um, that, that, that's how I would think, but I might be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd, I'd wait to be proven wrong on that one. Yeah. Now, very start, you mentioned about the feel. Okay, obviously, I myself is a super, super rookie when it comes to string and racket. Now, yep. in your experience, how much science is involved in stringing or restringing a racket? How much science? Yeah, science. Because you mentioned about feel, like it feels right, feels... You know. Yeah, well, I mean, there's machines that will measure the stiffness of the racket. It will measure the string bed of the racket. Um, there are machines that will measure um, the dynamic tension of the racket. When, we co- when a player comes in with a racket, we might, we might measure all those things and get a bit of an idea where this guy wants to go and go from there. Um, mm. Look, um, you can't be 100% sure. But when a professional player comes in and asks the stringing room for a racket, he'll say, I want you to string this racket at XYZ tension. And he said, when you do, I'll come back and I will test it and I'll tell you where I want to go from there. Mm. So really speaking, the player is in complete control, not the technician. Right. Right. Okay. Now, um, I had a friend who told me that um, he he strung a racket and then he gave it to the, the, the stringer. And um, they cracked it. They cracked the, the, the racket. And I go, why? Yeah. And I go, oh, that's probably because maybe a week or two weeks ago he, he didn't you know, not intentionally, but like maybe snap the racket a little bit or just bounce off the ground. 
and maybe the tension was too high, and all of a sudden it snapped. Has it happened before to, to, um, from you? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's happened to me once. Okay. Um, and I have a rule now. Mm-hmm. I will never string a racket at night time that is coloured in black and want a black string. Because <laughs> A, I can't, I can't see mm-hmm. as well as I used to, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't check the frame. But mm-hmm. if, the, if the frame has been damaged by some other stringer that has not the equipment that I've got and has damaged that frame in somewhat, and then I put it in my... $10,000 machine mm-hmm. and it doesn't like it. It's going to break. So now I check all frames with my fingers and I'll feel a minute crack. I'll use a microscope, uh, not a microscope, uh, a, a um, oh, what do you call it? I see magnifying glasses mm-hmm. to have a good look at the racket. If I've got any suggestions that it might be cracked, I ring the player and say, look, I think your racket's cracked. I'm not going to string it, or you take the risk. But yes, it does happen. But there are machines out there that are antique machines. Mm. And I like the uh, Freddie Flintstone stuff, a drop weight machine. They're not good machines. They're not good machines with today's modern technology. But there are people out there that are using them. And there are the people that are killing the game for professional racket stringers. Hmm. I've had a few of them come here and watch me string, and they say, well, that's easy, I'll do it myself. Next thing you know, they've got a machine, and six months later, Mike, can you sell a machine? I don't like this anymore. Oh, well, hello. Um. For the listeners out there, um, I'm sure there are some of you, you know, restring, uh, string your own rackets and all. But when you go back to uh, your early days as a, as a stringer, what would you say some of the common mistakes that stringers do or actually, you know, um, just make a crucial mistake at the wrong time? Gee, there's lots of things. I mean, when I was first starting off, I won't lie to you, I made mistakes. Mm-hmm. I bent rackets, but I had my daughter's racket, with a wooden racket. I strung it 40, 50 times, learning how to string before I broke it. And then, and I used to have a drop weight machine then. And um, I realised then that this machine was useless. So I went and got myself a better machine, and I never had a problem since. Um, but look, as you get experience, and I got experience from a guy called Bruce Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Um, I got experience by a guy who's now deceased, um, Claude, in uh, France. And um, I got experience by just being around the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, you learn from your mistakes. There's things I do now that I never did when I first started off. I've got my own special way that I string professional players and I've never had a complaint since mm, okay um, before the convo you said you've been to uh, different places in the world uh, would you yeah. say are there any difference be- any differences between say Australian string like I don't want to divide the whole industry or anything but oh no it, no that's fine yeah, did it, I mean you gone Wimbledon <coughs> oh, excuse me uh, Wimbledon was 
There's something else. I went there for two years. I was invited to go. Um, and I, I thought that was a feather in my hat. I didn't ask to go. I was invited to go. Um, and um, I strung along with the so-called best in the world. Mm. But hello, they knew there was a new kid on the block. And I shamed them through lots of things that I used to do. And not only just to stringing, but actually repairing machines, servicing machines, those kind of things. And when you come to stringing in Wimbledon, uh, it's hard work, it's constant work, but it's no less than what you get at Australian Open. Australian Open, man, you can work 20 hours a day and, and then front up with four hours sleep and go another 20. Um, there's rackets coming in the fine centre. You will find that the players break more strings on hard court than they do on grass. And uh, that's a fact because the ball's moving quicker, they're using more spin, uh, they're practising more, bang, they're gone, you know. Um, but it's not uncommon for a player to come in with 6 to 11 rackets and say, here, string them, I want them in three or four hours' time. Well, that's impossible, you know, but if they want the same stringer. Mm. And most players want the same stringer because they know the machine, they know the, the, the way the guy is stringing, and that's what they want. But it's pretty impossible to do that sometimes, especially if there's a tight timeline, now, very tight timeline. Now, you mentioned I about... Have been up, oh. I have been up at midnight yeah. and strung right through to five or six o'clock early in the next morning, the day after, to keep the rackets going until mm. I realised I'm an idiot. I need someone else to help me. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, yeah, you do those things when you're learning. Mm. You make lots of mistakes. Um, so you mentioned about individuality, okay? In your experience, what would you say one difference or one unique, you know, I guess, characteristic, you know, uh, let's put the experience aside for just a little bit Again, um, versus the, the next stringer you know. What would be the one difference? Is it how you look at the racket or engage with the players or is it um, just understanding about the strings or or just have uh, a better, better well, machine? Um, you have to engage with the player. I'll give you a perfect example. Michael Chang. Mm-hmm. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. But the racket had to be strung upright this way, it had to have a notch on this side of the racket and that side of the racket or he wouldn't use it. That is Chinese mm-hmm. superstition. Mm-hmm. So, but that goes on. You have to do those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. The more you learn about the players, the more likely they come back to you and, you know, um, asking you to string in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah well I mean we used to we used to string in one piece of string right players would want one piece of string well to me that's a waste of time two pieces of string is far better for the string and far better for the racket and eventually one piece of string has died around the world stringing has died And now we're back to two pieces of strings, which it should be in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I string 
95% of my racket two pieces of string unless the racket says, well, I can string one piece to keep going. But I like to string from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. Is it is it um, possible, and have you ever done the part where, you know, you've done one half and the other stringer do the other half and you just pass the racket on? I, I, I know it's... No, 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 it's, that, it's, that's it's no, never on. Never on. That is never No, no, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Because you have two different people doing something and I have my way of doing cross strings, I have my way of doing mainstream, and someone else might be not as particular as me and the player will pick that immediately. So we don't do that. That is just a no-no. So apart from the tension, what are some of the first things that players look at? Is it um, feel or the colour or the the logo? Well, they look at the tie-off knots, mm-hmm. see if they're clean and tidy. Yep. They look at the top two strings, the outside two strings on both sides, and the bottom two strings to see whether the tension is still there. The main two strings, see whether the tension, the tension is there. They look to see if the strings are straight. Mm-hmm. They look to see if the stencil is straight. They're fussy. They're paying for it, although no. they pay peanuts. If, if you... If you um, sorry, if you can... Um, tell like let's say top 100 players right both men and women how long does it take for them to realize the tension is not 51 instead 48 like that three Uh difference about 10 minutes of hitting they'll find out very quickly the balls are the balls are moving too quickly there's no feel Mm -hmm. or or the ball's not moving at all Mm -hmm. they'll soon tell you very quickly Wow. Okay. Now, and, and when mm-hmm. when you have fifty one pounds, so far I'm going to say you have fifty one pounds in Sweden mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. You don't have fifty one pounds here in the middle of summer if you're at the Australian Open. You might have fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven. Mm. So it's all according to them as to how they feel. Now players come off the plane. Mm-hmm. With their racket strung in Sweden, but I just use Sweden as, a, yep. as an example. Um, those rackets are useless here in Australia. So they'll come in and they'll say, you string one, I'll find the tension, then we'll string the rest. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Now, um, players do travel a lot. If Would you recommend not to have their string on from place one to place B and then string their racket at the tournament or have the racket, I say, you know, 51, and then wouldn't that sort of change the tension on the flight, the temperature, the pressure and all that, and then becomes something else? Well, the temperature of the plane, the pressure of the plane will play up with the string. So mm-hmm. if I was a professional player, I'd have one racket that I could go and have eaten straight away mm-hmm. and the rest would go in for string. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're no good. If you If you go to... As I say, if you go from Adelaide or to Melbourne to Sweden and you've got 58 pounds, it's like a, hitting with a lump of four by two wood. It just wouldn't do any good. Mm. So you need to string for the conditions, the temperature, um, and, and also the ball. The ball has got a lot to do with it too, believe me. Um, you know, and... Uh, 
You just have to do these things. And professional players are not silly. They'll do that. This is their living. Mm-hmm. That's true. And they trust us to do the right thing. Mm. But it's also our living. Mm. Our living as a professional racket stringer, mm-hmm. we do not get recognised for the amount of work we do, the hours that we work. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're paupers mm. according to, in relation to what the professional players will earn. Well, I will tell you that, um, Mike, I will reach out to more stringers out there, when, uh, as many as I can, and I want to give them as much, I guess, uh, accreditation and share their knowledge, or in this case, your knowledge, to as many, I don't know, parents, players, and even they go, hey, you know, Stringy, stringers actually needs a lot of credit. I mean, uh, just a, a more, a lot more, a pat on the back. So, behalf of the tennis of Melbourne, I want to thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now, moving on, you mentioned uh, about coaching. Uh, in your experience and um, opinion, what would be one difference between a good coach and a great coach? Oh, gee, that's a hard one. Um, I don't know. I think I'm in between. I'm a very good coach. Mm-hmm. I have been a great coach. I've, I have coached an Australian national champion. Um, I don't know. Um, I really think uh, the coach has got to be uh, tactically involved and know tactics. Uh, the coach has got to know. And, and I, I'm, I'm different to most coaches because I'm a racket stringer, mm-hmm. first of all. Uh, got to know the tensions of the rackets and what's happening with the racket, looking at what the kids are hitting with or players hitting with, how they're hitting, um, all that kind of thing. But look, a professional tennis coach needs to be full bottle on the changes of the game. Mm-hmm. And the changes of the game are happening daily. I look at players, I look at YouTube, I look at things that are happening in tournaments. I see things, and I said, well, I never knew that. I never saw that before. Um, things are happening. You've just got to be full bottle. Hmm. Okay. So, just out of curiosity, apart from tennis, what do you string other racket sports? Um, look, I string occasional squash racket. Mm-hmm. I used to string badminton racket. I won't string badminton racket <laughs> anymore. Waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um I'd string a squash racket if I had to, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not that desperate that I need to. There's, there's other players, other stringers out there that are experts in squash rackets. I can do it if I have to, mm-hmm. but I'd rather string with a tennis racket. I know what I'm doing. Mm, okay. Uh, horses for courses once again. Horses. <laughs> Is that your favourite saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now um, to finish it off, um, I want apart from knowing about the strings and all that. Now, what would you say one thing, if you can refine to one thing, that the sport of tennis has taught you all these years? Uh, older players, 50 and above, should use a multi-filament. And kid you not, you are not a professional player. So why would you want to worry about using polyester, getting spin power? That's all rubbish. Mm-hmm. Use something that's going to protect your arm, your shoulder, uh, your elbow. So uh, multi-filament, there's plenty of them out there that are very good. All right, they don't last long. 
uh, hey, if you get 15 hours out of a 30, $35, $40 restraint, you're doing fine. But if you put a $35, $40 polyester string in, and it might last you 30 hours, and end up with tennis elbow, well, hello, who's the fool? <laughs> All right? And now, when you get to younger players, as in the 20s, or, no, sorry, late 15s up to 30s, you can put the polyester in. Their bodies are young enough to handle that. But when you get young players, like 8, 9, 10, up to 15, use a synthetic cut, use a, poly, uh, use a multi-filament until they break, keep breaking them too, too regularly. Then have to look at a hybrid, look at whatever, change your way of thinking. Mm. Okay. That's beautiful. Now, um, just on the personal side, I, I personally want to thank you for your birthday. Happened last week or just recently. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, I'm looking forward to, to reach out to more stringers. As you mentioned, you know, um, they deserve, or you guys deserve a little more accreditation. So, well, look, I have, um, a Facebook page. It's called Mike Newbound Stringing at Corridale Hills Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it's on Facebook. Okay. If anyone wants to ask me a question, I'm more than happy to uh, share my experiences and help. Look, as I said, I'm 68 years of age now. I think that I've been there, done that. I have nothing to prove to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm now teaching someone to stream. And, um, uh, you know, uh, as well as a coach. So if I can help someone, mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to do that. There you go, guys. There you go. All right. Well, Mike, um, we'll make sure that I'll have the link that when, when the convo is out, and hopefully you get more um, people coming at coming to you uh, for for questions, and hopefully that the world of stringing or st- stringing world um, will um, again elevate um, as time goes. Um, my name yes. Thank you very much, guys, for for listening on Castbox and Spotify, and um, yes. Yeah, so you want to say goodbye to all our family and friends, Mike. Well, thank you very much for tennis people listening. Mm-hmm. I, I know some of my ideas might be a bit uh, out there, but you know what? I know what I'm doing. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> All right. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.